Well, we um, found out last week that we have a choice in our lives, and God expects us to exercise our will, independent as it is, to exercise it to bring ourselves into conformity with his will and purposes. He waits upon us to do that. And he does enable us, not in the sense of generating a will that was once incapable and now is capable, but rather he comes alongside us, and that's that term, the comforter, by, with the Holy Spirit, to enable us to walk the Christian life. That instead of the law guiding us, we now have the Spirit guiding us, that we are no longer driven by this narrow uh, set of rules, but rather we have this wonderful liberty, but that liberty is not permission to do whatever we want. It is the capacity to be able to do what God wants, having received the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And so we talked about the validity of that, that there is a warfare that we're going on between that which is of the Spirit and that which is of the flesh. It really relates uh significantly what we talked about this morning as well in the service, uh, and we looked at that, but we, we also found that it is uh, a war that we are going to be frustrated in a little bit because we find that we end up doing the things that we don't really want to do. We end up getting ourselves trapped into sin. We uh, fail, and so we cannot direct our own ways. We need to be led by the Spirit. And uh, there's some difficulty there. This is a little more how should I say this? It's a, it's a, it's it's more demanding than the law. Um, the law is easy. Um, if I have a bunch of thou shalt nots and thou shalts, and I fulfill those, I can very easily say, well, I've completed the requirements of the law. Uh, It's a different story to come in and say, well, we are not going to uh, use the law to to drive our life choices. Now we are going to allow the Spirit to do that. And we might think, well, that's kind of of nonspecific. And you're right, it is. And that's caused uh, some problems. It was causing problems back there um, because men tend to like to see this black and white, uh, very specific nature that I can do this, this, and this, and then I know that I have completed my assignment. It's a whole different thing when God says, just follow me. Well, where's the end? Where's the boundaries? What's the beginning? What's, what's the purpose? What's my objective? What you know, how many steps is it? You know, we want to know all this information. I want to, you know, it's easier if I know that I'm, you know, on the Sabbath, I'm only allowed to take so many steps uh, or do certain amounts of work. Um, it's a different story when the, is, the instruction is, well, follow, walk in the Spirit. Just follow Him. And this has been abused as well, and we want to recognize that abuse. Because it is so nonspecific, what men have falsely stated is that they were walking the Spirit um, into certain activity. And that's the problem we want to address tonight, is here are these people that say, well, I prayed about this and God 
told me. God led me. God showed me. And I hear this quite frequently, and uh, we use it, I think, a little uh, open-handedly with it. In other words, we're not careful enough in our talk about this, about walking in the Spirit. And it is frightening many times to see that what comes out of their mouths and in their lives at the tail end of that phrase, uh, how many times it is in direct opposition to the Word of God, to the holiness of the Spirit of God, and really fights against the purposes of God. And so, um, again, we stake claim, like we talked about this morning, we stake claim to this relationship, this covenant with God. Well, here we're staking claim to being led by the Spirit, but we find that what people are describing as being led by the Spirit isn't really spiritual. Uh, And that can go in two extremes. It can go into the extreme of legalism, which um, Galatians is addressing. It can also go into the other extreme of uh, permissiveness, where there are no boundaries at all. And so to help us understand that this walk in the Spirit um, can never be uh, one which will put us into opposition with the balance of God's word. It'll never take us into opposition to the character of God. And that is very important. And I I see a lot of people just excusing that. Just like, okay, the Spirit is not going to lead you in opposition to the nature of who God is. I mean, God is not the author of confusion. So why would the Spirit lead you to bring confusion into the midst of a service? Correct? And yet we want to attribute to God, well, the Spirit has put this upon my heart to stand up and speak these words um, out of order, out of any purpose, and it brings confusion and into a service of the church, brings doubt into people's minds, and now we have attributed that to the Holy Spirit, and yet we know that God's Word says that when we meet together, it ought to be a time of not confusion, but of peace. It ought to be a time of being directed into God's word. Um, And when we find that instead we're going to reject the clear instructions of God's word, that let there be few among you that be teachers, uh, let these uh, uh, women be silent. I mean, we have a whole list of things that only one at a time should speak, uh, that there should only be that without an interpreter. I mean, we have a whole uh, instruction manual on how these things should be done, and yet... Well, the Spirit led me to do this. I just had to do it. I'm like, okay, let's make sure we understand the difference between the Holy Spirit and your spirit. And I think we confuse those two a lot. And so what Paul here is going to invest in us is to understand and be able to recognize a distinction between what is really of your flesh and of your spirit and not of the Holy Spirit and that which is truly of the Spirit of God. And he does this uh, with two lists. And as I said last week, these lists are not definitive. That is, they aren't exhaustive. We're not trying to list everything. We are giving a sampling. And so uh, I know that we are really tied to these fruit of the Spirit. Well, there's a certain number of them. Um, But that really is not 
presented in the text that it's these and only these. But among the fruit of the Spirit are certainly these nine. And we're going to get to those. I don't know if we'll get to them tonight. Um, likely more so tomorrow. Tomorrow, I wish. <laughs> Next week. Um, back in the olden days, they used to meet every day. Wouldn't that be exciting? Um, we can visit certain television shows every night. I remember that growing up, but I don't remember having be able to get to church every night. So we come to this uh, declaration. Here is what the works of the flesh are. And they are known to us. They are evident. They are plain. So why list them if they're so plain and evident? Well, because <laughs> wicked people and self-oriented people want to give excuse for wrong behavior under the guise of their liberty in Christ. The Spirit led me to do this. I feel led of the Spirit to do this. Well, if I could come to something like this and say, well, now that's not spiritual and you know it, then that immediately cuts the rug out from beneath their argument um, and, and uh, that's why it's necessary. So here's a list. Here's the evident list of things that are just, and this isn't the exhaustive list. This is just, here's some evident things. And so don't say the Spirit led you or your liberty gives you license to do these things um, simply because, you know, we're all free in Christ to do everything we want and nothing is sin anymore. Um, and that even if I do sin, it just means God's grace multiplies for me. And so here's what the flesh is. Here's the enemy of the Spirit of God. Here's the enemy of your Christian liberty. These are some samplings of them. And uh, again, we can get very specific or non-specific, but we have several categories here, and I would contend that there are illustrations of each category, and uh, and certainly there are more uh, examples we could do under each category, but we have them listed out for us. And so here's what we have, and let's just start off with uh, the first section of uh, categories of what is fleshly and not spiritual, what's carnal, and therefore cannot be described as something that the God led you to, cannot be excused under the, the, the banner of my Christian liberty. And so we look at the first one. It says adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. And we're going to look at those four. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness, which really encapsulates uh, an entire section of the, the, what we often talk of as moral, but all of these have morality to them. But really it's sexual immorality is what we're talking about. And this is a, these are broad terms, um, and, but also have very specific applications. I think most of us know what adultery is and what fornication is. The difference between those of, of sex outside of marriage um, or before marriage and then sex outside of that is that I'm going to have my wife and also have this affair um, that that is covered here. And it's like, the Spirit's not going to lead you to do that. And believe it or not, yes, you've heard me say before, I actually had a gal who said, God led me to have an affair with this married man. Okay? So I'm not talking off the top of my head here and making stuff up. She really did say that to me. Uh, in all earnestness, she prayed for a man. God brought her this man and, yeah, he's married to another woman, but he's not happily married. And so this is just God's wonderfulness to us. Well, God will not lead you into this arena of sin. It just will not happen. 
And it is error to say that. You have succumbed to the lust of the flesh. You have, you have succumbed to this lapse into sin. Um, uncleanness and lewdness um, are those that are beyond the actual act of, uh, of, of the adultery and fornication. That there are other facets that, well, I've never really done that. And I come to this passage very frequently dealing with men and their, and the lust of the eyes and uh, the pornography, all of those. I come to this and I say, well, this is uncleanness. This is lewdness. It is just, it is that whole idea of, of, of um, participating in that which is, which is morally impure. Whether it's not the physical act with a woman or with a man, it is uncleanness nonetheless. It is not uh, correlated to any of the things that are godly there. And, and certainly we can sit there and I've heard, here's what I've heard. Well, <clears throat> it's not like I, I'm hurting anyone, but the Bible says that sexual sin is against your own body. And that is among the things that, G, that God said in Jeremiah. This morning, I didn't really talk about it all. About you've done this to yourself. This is an injury to you. And to claim that that doesn't injure your spouse is really a lie as well. And that doesn't injure the balance of your relationships. Because it does. And so when we come to uncleanness and lewdness, it's that whole idea of being uh, uh, immoral, um, in terms of how we handle our bodies, um, that we are uh, immodest. When we are immodest, it would fall underneath this category. When I talk to gals and they're like, well, they shouldn't look. Well, no, the Bible says you shouldn't be engaged in any kind of lewdness and uncleanness. You have a responsibility there. It's a cop-out to say, I'm free to wear whatever I want, pastor, and care little. Where is your love for your brothers in Christ and their attempts to maintain their purity in their heart. Where's our concern about others? And I've confronted people with this, gals especially, but even some guys sometimes, and I say, where is your love for them that you are so dead set on getting your liberty to wear whatever you like, and if they can't control their eyes, it's their problem, um, well, you are participating in uncleanness and lewdness. You are encouraging and prompting uh, a thought life and an environment that is not pure. And so we are called to more than just, well, I haven't committed this act. And with teenagers, I have this, well, we haven't slept together. I was like, but you've done everything else. And that falls under these categories. That there is an uncleanliness there. There is a lewdness to it. And yes, it does overlap into uh, some really gross sin where we get into homosexuality and things like that um, and, and things we don't even want to talk about. And so they're all covered in this category of uncleanness and lewdness combined with uh, adultery and fornication. And so we have uh, this idea of sexual sin and the necessity of having it pure. The God is not going to lead you to any of those. You cannot say, well, if God didn't, and here, <laughs> this is the Calvinist model, you know, if God didn't want me, he wouldn't put that in front of me. And we start blaming God, don't we? Well, that's just, it just came up in front of me. I had no control over it. Well, yes, you do, to some degree. 
To some degree, you do have control over it. Um, when you're involved in the mass media, you have control over it. <laughs> you really do. Um, there really is a capacity to control those things. And it's a cop-out, again, to say, well, God should keep those things from me. Um, David had a great perspective on this. What did he say in Psalm 101? He said, I will put nothing wicked before my eyes. I'm not going to establish that environment. And so we have this category that we are called to a level of purity that if we're going to walk in the Spirit, it's going to be evident in this area of your life. Well, there's other areas of your life too. Let's press on. And so it says also um, in verse 20 now, we have idolatry and sorcery. And I'm going to combine these into another category uh, because really sorcery is another form of false worship. Um, but idolatry is not just having a little statuesque, uh, a statuette or a little charm, um, but certainly that is involved. It's anything that takes that place of deity in your life, that you say, this is what I'm living for, this is what I'm pursuing after. And it can be something very large or something very small. It can be even ideological. If it becomes an idol to you, it becomes something that replaces your pursuit of holiness, pursuit of God, then that is idolatry. In fact, in Corinthians we are told that covetousness is idolatry. Wanting more stuff, coveting my neighbor's whatever, um, is idolatry. You're making an idol of that, that you're wanting. Well, they have it, I want it. Um, Well, now you're involved in idolatry. And sorcery is that whole... uh, working of trying to uh, have influence and power over others through the mechanisms that are available through the evil one, Satan and his demons. And this, of course, would encompass um, uh, all the broad things here. And so all of these things are antithesis to God. They are the Antichrist. And so we get involved in sorcery. We're talking about not just, you know, wizards and magic and all of that. We're really talking about witchcraft that is, that is really going on. We're talking about Satan worship that's really going on today. And then even into some of the playful ways that we involve in sorcery, right? What are some of the quote-unquote playful ways? You can go to the Toys R Us and you go in the toy section, the games, and you'll find what game on the shelf? You'll find a Ouija board. Well, is that a game? Well, no, what are you trying to do? You're trying to invite the Spirit to come talk to you. And so we have, uh, from that level, um, into the horoscopes, that you all, you know, I love that my kids come home one day and said, Dad, I don't get what these people are. They keep asking me what my sign is, and I don't know what they are talking about. I'm like, I don't want you to know what they're talking about. Who cares? Because I don't want you to be invested in that. It's, a, it's in this category of sorcery. It goes right in there with all the false gods and all the worthless things that they are involved in in their worship, and, and it, it delves deep and dark in a very quick way. And uh, when you go into other cultures, you can see the use of, of drugs for that, of, of drums. Uh, it's fascinating to see culture after culture. If you, if you look at the spiritism, uh, invariably there's the use of 
hallucinogenic drugs. There's the use of the bass drum. Boom, 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 boom. Um, sleep deprivation is the other thing uh, that they would use. So you've got three. And uh, what does that sound like? Sounds like the culture that most of our young people are enjoying anytime they're not in school. And so they do sleep deprivation, they have, they, they starve them almost, and um, using drugs and bass drum, and that's how they invite spirits into their lives. The demons. And that's, God says, God, the spirit will never lead you into any of that. You can never claim, that's me walking in the spirit, I'm doing this to God's glory. Boom, 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 boom. I just got back from Colorado. So every time anyone did something, I said, they're smoking stuff up here. Anything I didn't like, so I'd go in the stores and cars driving. And I said, well, you guys are smoking stuff. You shouldn't be. So that's probably why you're all whacked out. Um, The Spirit won't lead you into that. will never lead you there. And you can never claim that. Because there's nothing holy in any of that. And so we have this whole category of the darkness, of the evil one, of, of the false gods and, the, and the, uh, the demonic. And so it's all wrapped up in these, just these two terms of idolatry um, and sorcery. Well, now we come into another group. Here we go. This is a little more uh, dealing with our relationships. Uh, we come into hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. And we're going to stop right there. I'm not going to go any further. I want to handle these four together. I'm sorry, five together. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, and outbursts of wrath. That's four. Sorry, I thought it was four. The outbursts and wrath kind of messed me up. So we have now this category. And I think we all recognize this category. It starts with angry, hatred, and we have outbursts of wrath. In between, we have contentions and jealousies. It's, it's obviously a lateral relationship with other people, but it is one that is, that is demonstrating a bitterness of spirit that is going to be at odds with people. And whether it is, I am going to hate them without a cause, so they, and, and really there's... In the biblical manner, there's almost no, you can hate what they do, but you, you have no premise to really hate people. Um, you, you know they're going to be in judgment, and we know Christ died for them. Uh, we, we see this whole concept of your view of others. Are we contentious towards them? That is, we're going to stay in opposition to them. It doesn't matter whether they're right or wrong, I'm going to oppose them, because I don't like them. In fact, I hate them. I hate them, and so anything they do, I'm not going to like. Was it because you don't like what they're doing? No. Um, if it was somebody else, I'd probably like it. But they, it was their idea, so I'm going to go against it, right? That never happens in our homes, does it? It happens between siblings all the time, by the way. I'm not going to do it just because she's done it, or he's done it, or says it, or introduced it. And the jealousies are born out of that and outbursts of wrath. This is our dark relationships without any self-restraint. 
hatred, contentions, jealousies, and outbursts of wrath. He's saying, I am going to just have my feelings, and you can't judge me for my feelings. <laughs> you hear that much these days? Can't judge me for my feelings, because they're real. They're just my feelings, and they're mine, and, and I can't help them. Really? You're just an animal, or less than an animal. Even an animal can control themselves more than that. And so we find that this out of control of these faculties that God gives us called our feelings. And so we're out there uh, opposing people uh, without a cause, without any real purpose, and certainly without any compassion. And um, when I see this and I hear it, and by the way, it is becoming way too frequent among Christians in social media to make hateful statements um, that you cannot say, God led me to tell you this or to speak to you this way and to be contentious, to just be argumentative and just attacking. Um, it's, it, there is a, a civility that is lost and that's what this is calling us to. We shouldn't be the uncivilized of society. We have restraint. We have the capacity to control ourselves and to deny that in our relationships is going to lead us into this and you can not attribute that to your Christian liberty. I am free to have all these feelings. Well, no, you're not. Because those feelings are ungodly. They are wrong. Not because there's a law that says you shall not be jealous, although there's a law about not coveting. Um, you shouldn't contend contend against people. We don't have those laws, but we have a whole category of understanding that God is not going to lead me into this darkness of my character that's going to allow me to express my feelings without restraint, um, always self-oriented against people I don't like or can't get along with very well. Now that is different than taking a stand for righteousness. And that we do in a loving manner with self-restraint and with calmness and civility, we can take a stand. Even to people that are prepared to kill us, we can still take a stand for righteousness without these things, without hatred, without wrath, without jealousy, without contentions. And so this is about restraining ourselves. And we are seeing very little of that these days. If you offend people or if you cross them up, they think they have the right to get even with you. They think they have the right to just try to destroy you. They just blurt out hateful things. And they think they have the right to do this because they have been injured in some... This is not the way of God. We go on to another category now. And I think it's kind of in the center for a reason. And that is selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Now some would put selfish ambitions with the previous group. I'm putting it with dissensions and heresies. These are different than what we're going to see a little bit later on. Um, And this is again in a social setting, but also it's all about what you believe. And so we have our selfish ambitions that our interests come first. And dissensions are those where we are not going to agree. We're just not going to get along. We are not going to go with the flow. We are not going to um, 
let any of the votes be unanimous. And I have seen those people in church. I've been to, I've been member of a church where that was the case. There was never a unanimous vote on anything. Why? Because there are certain people in the church that thought there should never be a unanimous vote. <laughs> now, that had, had an effect on me um, as a young person. I was like, well, because I'm looking and it says that they did it all in one spirit and we, and we see this. Why is there these dissensions? And this is over significant things, not the, necessarily the color of the carpet, but over substantive things that the church needs to move forward on and ministry and things like that. Why are, are we dissent? Why, why is there this, this argumentative? Why is this uh, un, disunity um, in our purpose and calling and plans? Um, and that's why in this church, um, we table it. If we don't get a unanimous vote, we table it. That's not to pressure you. That's to say that if you are genuinely have a concern, we will stop and address it. We're not just going to blow by you because we have the majority, even if it's the overwhelming majority, because I'm pretty sure all through the Old Testament, it was the tiny little minority that were the voice of God. Right? And yet we believe the American model, that is, that we should have this lively debate and we should have this almost political environment and we should have dissension. No. God will never lead us that way. Will he use someone that has a concern that we haven't considered? Certainly. That's why we stop and address it. And then heresies, of course, we recognize that as saying, well, that's denying the truths of Scripture um, but it's denying the not just the truths, but the, the practices of the church as well. And so these really talk about the community of saints. Here we are. We have a body of beliefs. We have a body of, of ministry. We have a, a body of action that we're taking. We have a perspective and a philosophy of the, all of those. And we are putting it into practice. And we have those that, not because they have any biblical warrant for it, they just want to be against something. It's interesting to hear people talk about why they're voting for Donald Trump. Because I'm mad. Because I'm against stuff. Because I'm tired of the way it's been. Not because they're particularly awed by him or think he's going to make a great president. They're just mad at everyone else. They're, They're mad at the status quo. They're mad at government, period. They're mad at the whole system, and they should be. He's not the solution, probably, but. <laughs> so we have this environment in our nation, but this is a time within our church. And we don't have this anger and this antagonism in our spirit. And ultimately, those are all selfish ambitions at work. Someone who wants to see the work of God go forward, not just the work of themselves, are going to compromise, not in terms of, we're not talking about doctrinally, but they're going to invest themselves. They're going to try to see the perspective of others. They're going to try to to, uh, uh, really take a step back and try not to push their own interests. They're going to look at what benefits everyone. And within the righteous side of this is that word sacrifice. 
But if we have selfish ambition instead, then you're always going to have dissensions and will invariably lead to heretical statements and heretical positions. And this is what has happened historically in the church, and that's why where most of our heresies come from, it's, it's come up in this church. It's like, well, uh, you can make a thing out of this if you really need to, but you can't say the Spirit's leading you to this because you're not doing it in the manner that is biblical and godly. And so we are called not to just be wet noodles and flop over over everything, just for the sake of peace and unity. That's not what this is about. This is about um, opposing truths simply because you don't like it. It doesn't meet your agenda, your interests, and causing dissension over it. And the fact is, I think all of us recognize, I'll just pick one area that's I've seen split at least one church, and... Uh, and that was in the handling of the funding. And one, the pastor and a few in the church said, we don't need all these resources. We have, God has given us this huge bank account. Um, and we want to divide it up and, and use it in missions. And we were supposed to be one of the recipients of that, my wife and I, and in starting this church. So the pastor brings this all forward. And, and instead of unity, instead of discussion, we had a fight. I mean, not a knockdown, I've got my fists up, but spiritually that's what it was. And you had people making ridiculous, ungodly statements. If we do this and something happens, we'll have to close these doors in five years. On and on and on and on. So here's the pastor looking at it and watching the offering drop to just what his family puts in. Why? Nobody needs to give because they have this huge bank account. And that's we're trusting in our $350,000, yeah, that kind of money, in a bank account. The interest pays the bills of the church, so we don't have to give. What selfishness. And the pastor tries to leave them out, and what are we going to do? Contend with them. Dissensions. And then we make heretical statements, and it is heresy to say that if we don't have a $350,000 trust fund, that a church will close. Shame on you for saying something like that. That is heresy. You are saying that God cannot keep you around without filthy money in the bank. Shame on you. And that's why I press you really hard to make sure you don't have too much. We, we have to have a different attitude. It is heresy to say that we're depending upon, it is, it is a declaration against God and his promises to make that statement. So here's a church that got into all this, why? Fascinating that the church held on to the money. They lost their pastor. They're not in our fellowship of churches anymore. And the very people that were trying to hold on to that money the, the tightest, with the new pastor and the new group came in, were voted out. And those people spent on whatever they wanted to spend it on. Selfish ambition, dissensions, and heresies are a category that God will never lead us into. And you cannot say that this is spiritual, that this is godly, that this is me walking in the Spirit. Let's get to our last category. 
And that comes in verse 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. And then the last word, by the way, tells you that this isn't an exhaustive list. And the like. There's more. We all know what evil looks like. But here we go. Envy, murders, drunkenness, and revelries. Um, and we look at this, these actions, and we might say, what's the difference between envy and um, uh, and covetousness? Well, uh, not a lot. Um, but that whole idea is that, well, we want what someone else has. We're envious of them. Um, we have also in this category of of jealousy, if you will. That's the word. What's the difference between that and jealousy? It's very little envy and jealousy. And so we find that I'm going to take this for myself, even if it means I'm going to kill you. Um, in addition, we have the drunkenness and revelries, which widens the foundation. Um, everybody recognizes drunkenness and murderous sins. <laughs> Uh, we seldom recognize that envy is uh, among the, the sins that God hates. Um, but we never really talk very much about revelries. And we hear a lot of people saying, well, it's okay to drink alcohol, just don't get drunk. Drunkenness is the sin. Um, well, let me ask you, uh, is the Spirit going to lead you in any direction toward drunkenness? No, your flesh is going to lead you that direction. And so the first step in that direction, I'm pretty sure, is the first drink. Right? Have have any of you been able to get drunk without taking the first drink? Glad to hear that. Little Junior Brummett there has never gotten drunk without taking one drink first. You can't say, you can claim your liberty all you want. I'm free in Christ. I can drink what I want to drink. Um, And that's fine, but you have denied the parameter, and that is that don't claim out of that Christian liberty that when you lose some faculties and some self-control and what comes out of that, which could be anything in the list above, uh, anything in the list above can happen. I've come into homes where there was, oops, I, I just had one too many or two too many. And I'm like, yeah, you did. And do you know what you did after you had that two too many? Yeah, you assaulted, sexually assaulted someone. Lewdness, uncleanness. Oh, it never got to fornication or adultery, but it was lewdness and uncleanness, and it was against the law. Because that was a minor. Christian person had one too many. Well, the best way to keep ourselves from drunkenness is to not have one. Then you don't have to worry about one too many, do you? Are there provisions in God's word for some use of alcohol? Yes. Have I used alcohol? Yes. In a medicinal way? Sure I do. Um, If you have never taken (laughs) NyQuil, um, you're doing great. I have, and so I've used NyQuil, and boy, that's got a lot of alcohol in it. Bam. And it puts me to sleep like that because my body isn't used to it at all. That 
is the biblical use of it. Not for entertainment, not to take the edge off the day. Um, the Bible does say you use strong drink to someone who is in mourning. Someone who is without hope. Are you without hope? Then you shouldn't have any strong drink. I don't think any Christian is, should be hopeless. In such despair that we need a strong drink. And I could go into wine and all that. But drunkenness. And then we have the other category that goes right along with drunkenness, and that is the revelries. And that is the, again, focused in on lack of control. The, the other one is a negative that we're going to let our feelings out there. Well, now we're going to let our body do whatever feels good. And if you want to know what revelries look like, all you need to do is go down to Mardi Gras, right? And there's lots of lewdness and uncleanness, there's drunkenness, there's all those things, and it's revelry. It's partying without control. We're just, it just feels good. I'm having fun. Don't be such a downer on this. Um, never mind that you're destroying property. And never mind what you're doing to people's lives. Never mind all of that. It's just fun. We like breaking windows. Especially the ones that you don't have to replace. Because they're not your windows, are they? You ever notice they never break their own windows? To have a great time. Or have a party. Come over to my house and break all my windows. They always do damage to others. And this is that whole idea of reveling, of, of this out-of-control activity. And so one of the things that, of, of no rules. We're just out here to do whatever comes to our flesh first. And you can never say that, that the Spirit led you into that. Never. And of course, this is all going to be tied into the last evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about next week. Because as I thought, I didn't get through all those categories very quickly. And so, why do I take the time? Well, first of all, I take the time to go through these because they're here. (laughs) They're in the Bible. And I've had people tell me, you shouldn't remind us of our sin because we're only... Well, then, God is wrong to put these verses in here, isn't he? They're here to remind us, don't ever claim godliness or spirit direction when this is the culmination of your activity and thought. And the exercise of your liberty never comes to this point, to any of these things. And those things that bring you near to them, you need to eradicate from your life, and you never claim that that's of the Lord. It's never God's fault. It is never the Spirit's work. Never, ever will He lead you toward any of these categories of sin, of error, of misbehaving. Never. And yet it keeps raising its head up over and over and over again in my ministry. People saying, I, I, God wants me to do this. I'm like, no. It cannot be. You cannot bring that kind of dissension and error into our, our fellowship. God, don't blame God. This is your interest. You, I will not allow you to bring that kind of rebellion into this congregation. I have a responsibility as a shepherd, as a watchman, to keep it out, to identify wolves and destroy them if I have to, to protect the flock. Because I have a chief shepherd I have to answer to. But I have had them repeatedly say that this is the Spirit leading them. Get out the list. 
This isn't the spirit. This is the flesh. Let's be honest. This is your interests going on, not God's interests. I'm sure that before the Lord's coming, I'll probably hear it some more. People claim, staking claim to their Christian liberty to do these kinds of acts, and all the while saying, the Spirit led me. God gave this to me in answer to my prayer. And I just, at this point, I just laugh at them, or I just shake my head and say, no, he didn't. I used to just try to talk with them and discuss it and get out my Bible. Now I just, I must be getting old and impatient. But I just say, no, he didn't. Don't lie to me like that. This is just your own interests. It doesn't make me very many friends, but um, it's time we stopped claiming spiritual ground when we are simply investing ourselves in acts of the flesh. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love for us, and we thank you for your word. And Lord, guard our hearts. We see all these things, and we know that we each have propensities towards certain of these on this list and others that are included here in these categories. Lord, help us to remember that we have been called out of this, that we have been filled with a holy one and made a saint ourselves, that we might live differently, not subject to our flesh, but free to be righteous and holy even in an ungodly world. Lord, we have excused ourselves and blamed you and rationalized some wicked things. All of us have in our lives, and for this we're sorry. And we ask for you to forgive us. We might go forth from here renewed in our commitment to walk not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen.